Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. We want to dedicate this episode of the Wild West Showdown to all the fathers out there. We pray that it'll be a glorious and happy day for each one of you. This is episode 53 of the Wild West Showdown, folks. Pull up a chair, lean back, and relax for a great time of Western music and Western history. Let's start off today's show with some great country music. This is Hank Kramer singing Greenback Dollar. Some people say I'm a no account, others say I'm no good. I'm just a natural born traveling man, I'm doing what I think I should. Oh, yeah, just doing what I think I should. And I don't give a damn about a greenback a dollar, spend it fast as I can. Cause the wailing song and a good guitar It's the only thing that I understand Oh boy, it's the only thing that I understand When I was a little baby My mama said, hey son Travel away well and grow to be a man And sing what must be sung Oh boy, you got to sing what must be sung And I don't give a damn about a greenback a dollar Spend it fast as I can Cause the wailing song and a good guitar It's the only thing that I understand Oh boy, it's the only thing that I understand Now that I am a grown man Traveled here and there I learned how to bottle of brandy and a song They're the only ones who ever cared Oh boy, they're the only ones who ever cared And I don't give a damn about a green like a dollar Spend it fast as I can Cause the wailing song and a good guitar It's the only thing that I understand Oh boy, it's the only thing that I understand Some people say I'm a no-count Others say I'm no good But I'm just a natural-born traveling man 
doing what I think I should. Oh yeah, she's doing what I think I should. And I don't give a damn about a green bag of dollar. Spend it fast as I can. Was a wailing song and a good guitar. It's the only thing that I understand. Oh boy, it's the only thing that I understand. And I don't give a damn about a green bag of dollar. Spend it fast as I can. Was a wailing song and a good guitar. It's the only thing that I understand. Oh boy, it's the only thing that I understand. The only thing that I understand. Oh boy, the only thing that I understand. Was that good old down-home country music or not? Thank you, Hank, for that song. On June 19, 1910, in the Spokane, Washington YMCA, the first Father's Day celebration was held. Miss Sonora Smart Dodd, who was born in Arkansas, wanted to celebrate a special day for her father. Dodd's father, William Jackson Smart, was a Civil War veteran, a single parent who raised his six kids there in Arkansas. After Miss Dodd heard a sermon about Jarvis Mother's Day in 1909 at Central Methodist Episcopal Church, she told her pastor that fathers should have a similar holiday honoring them. She suggested June the 5th, which was her father's birthday. But the preachers didn't have enough time to prepare their sermon, so the celebration was deferred to the third Sunday of June. Many local clergymen accepted the idea, and on June 19, 1910, the first Father's Day sermons honoring fathers were presented throughout the city. However, in the 1920s, Dodd stopped promoting the celebration because she was studying in the Art Institute of Chicago, and the holiday faded into obscurity, even in Spokane. In the 1930s, Dodd returned to Spokane and started promoting the celebration again, raising awareness at a national level. She had the help of those trade groups that would benefit most from the holiday. For example, the manufacturers of ties, tobacco pipes, and any traditional present to fathers. By 1938, she had the help of the Father's Day Council, founded by the New York Associated Men's Wear Retailers, to consolidate and systemize the commercial promotion. Americans seemed to resist the holiday for the first few decades. They viewed it as nothing more than an attempt by the merchants to replicate the commercial success of Mother's Day. A bill to make it a national holiday was introduced in Congress in 1913. In 1916, President Woodrow Wilson went to Spokane to speak in a Father's Day celebration and wanted to make it official, but Congress resisted, fearing it would become too commercialized. President Calvin Coolidge recommended in 1924 that the day be observed by the nation, but stopped short of issuing a national proclamation. Two earlier attempts to formally recognize the holiday had been defeated by Congress. In 1957, Maine Senator Margaret Chase Smith wrote a proposal accusing Congress of ignoring fathers for 40 years while honoring mothers, thus singling out just one of our two parents. In 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson issued the first presidential proclamation honoring fathers, designating the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. Six years later, the day was made a permanent national holiday when President Richard Nixon signed it into law in 1972. So today, on June the 19th, we celebrate Father's Day, thanks to one Miss Sonora Smart Dodd. 
Let me say a little something about perseverance and determination like Miss Dodd had. That's something we as authors, as singers, poets, or anyone with a God-given talent, we've got to have that perseverance. We've got to have that determination. We have to hang in there even when it seems all things are against us. We can't give up. We have to strive ahead. Because if you sit still, you ain't going to accomplish nothing. So if you think it's too hard, you think it's not worth all the trouble, then maybe you need to pursue another avenue to satisfy that burning desire you have inside you. However, I will say this, and I believe it with all my heart. If you have a dream, if you have a desire to write, to sing, or whatever, you really need to follow that dream because there is no other way to be satisfied. You'll struggle through your life wondering why you have that empty feeling inside you. Folks, I did that for years until I finally woke up to the fact that the only way to fill that emptiness is to do it. Don't let anyone or anything, especially yourself, talk you out of reaching and grabbing and holding on to that dream. Now let's listen to somebody that's hung in there. This young man wanted to write poetry, and by golly, he's done that. I just received a CD from J.R. Olson. This is one called Prairie Romance. Prairie Romance. The boss took on a brand new hand, young, freckle-faced, and bright red hair. It looked to us like trouble, you can most smell it in the air. He hired him to do the chores, paint the barn, milk the cows, tend the chickens, hoe the garden. They didn't need him in the house. He met her in the chicken coop. She had come out to gather eggs. Bright blue eyes and winning smile, those long, tapered legs. They must have fell in love right then. He came in that night and took a bath went out and picked some flowers, and then headed up the path. The old man met him at the door. She is my girl, and I am her pa. Something I don't need right now, that would be a son-in-law. Hanging head and scuffling feet, the posies falling in the dirt. Sam looked out, and he observed. Looks to me, he's kind of hurt. Old Slim tried to cheer him up. Told him the last one so inspired didn't get no second chance. He had been outright fired. The old boy didn't fire him, and I reckon that is a start. Seems the road's a little rocky comes to matters of the heart. He got a load of posts and wire. Now he's 20 miles to nowhere digging holes and building fence, likely learning how to swear. He digs the holes and sets the posts to his fencing duties tens. He gazes fondly at the clouds, dreams of love that never ends. The daughter is in her room and in her heart does yearn sits and out her window stares and waits for his return. Mothers have a way of knowing, so she came to his defense. She didn't let the old boy fire him. That's why he's building fence. Poor old daddy is on the porch, wondering if he could find him one more nasty job would that get rid of him for good. There's something he don't know. He might rant and rave and shout, but when it comes to son-in-laws, he don't get to pick them out. Now, kid... Here's some free advice. There is more than an even chance if you play your cards just right, someday you will own this ranch. Did you enjoy that? I sure hope so, because I did. Thank you so much for that, JR. How about you out there listening and say, by golly, I think I'd like to do that. Well, don't just talk about it. Do it. You can buy a microphone and a headset from Amazon for less than 30 bucks. Download a free program called Audacity, and you can create songs, you can narrate books, you can do just about anything you want to with it. 
You can do it, folks. Yes, I mean you. You can also be on the Wild West Showdown. Why don't you send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Let me know you'd like to be on the show, and I reckon we'll have you on. It's really that easy. On June the 11th, 1979, an iconic American film actor famous for starring in countless westerns dies at age 72. John Wayne was born Marion Morrison on May the 26th, 1907 in Winterset, Iowa. When he was a child, he moved to Glendale, California. He was a football star at Glendale High School, and after graduation, he attended the University of Southern California on a scholarship, but he dropped out after two years. He found work as a movie studio laborer. Wayne became friends with director John Ford, who was at that time just a rising talent himself. Wayne's first acting jobs were bit parts in which he was credited as Duke Morrison, a childhood nickname derived from the name of his pet dog. Wayne's first starring role came in 1930 with The Big Trail, a film directed by his college buddy, Raoul Walsh. It was during this time that Marion Morrison became John Wayne, because director Walsh didn't think Marion was a good name for an actor playing a tough Western hero. Despite the lead actor's new name, however, the movie flopped. Throughout the 1930s, Wayne made dozens of mediocre Westerns, sometimes turning out two movies a week. In all of them, he played various rough-and-tumble characters, and occasionally he appeared as Singing Sandy, a musical cowpoke. In 1939, Wayne finally had his breakthrough when his old friend John Ford cast him as the Ringo Kid in the Oscar-winning Stagecoach. Wayne went on to play larger-than-life heroes in dozens of movies and came to symbolize a type of rugged, strong, straight-shooting American man. Off-screen, Wayne was known for his conservative political views. He produced and directed and starred in several movies. In 1969, he won an Oscar for his role as a drunken, one-eyed federal marshal named Rooster Cogburn in True Grit. Wayne's last film was The Shootist in 1976, in which he played a legendary gunslinger dying of cancer. The role had particular meaning as the actor was fighting the disease in real life. During four decades of acting, Wayne, with his trademark drawl and good looks, appeared in over 250 films. He is indeed missed. Now let's visit with our guest. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, fellow radio host, Totsy Slaver. Welcome, Miss Slaver. Well, thank you very much, JC. It's a pleasure to be with you. I understand you and your late husband founded the Real West from the Old West. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually, he did. Howard was a wannabe cowboy all his life, I guess. He'd spent most of his growing up years in Nebraska, so he was around a lot of ranchers and farmers and stuff and never lived on a ranch, but he just loved the cowboy way of life. And he was retired from the Air Force and then retired from, from Northrop. He did odd jobs around dimming, and then he just really got into listening to cowboy music and went to the radio station and asked the director to do a show, and she said, sure, come on down. So that's how it got started. I wish it was as easy here. (laughs) We're in a real small town with a small radio station, and everybody knows everybody, and it's good. (laughs) I understand. Well, listen, you said he liked a cowboy life. How about you? How long did it take you? Well, I grew up on a ranch. I grew up on a ranch in the New Mexico Boot Hill, my grandfather's ranch, where they lived when I was born, where my parents lived, bordered the Arizona border and was about 10 miles north of the Mexican border. So we were right down in the the southwest corner of the Boot Hill. 
and grew up listening to that kind of music. And we, it was a, a ranching community. It's a very small community, and there used to be Western dances there at least once a month. And it was people that, like, Pug Scott and the Her Arizona Drifters and um, the New Mexico Playboys, local bands around would come and play at the American Legion Hall. So I grew up with that stuff. So we got a cowboy and a cowgirl getting together. Something's going to have to happen, isn't it? There you go. There you go. <laughs> and that's where the real West from the Old West Radio Show came from. That's where it came from. When did the first show air? The first Wednesday in September of 2006. What made you decide to do a show exactly like this? Just because you're a cowboy and a cowgirl, that's that's a pretty good reason. But was there a, something else that might have happened? I really didn't have anything to do with the show when Howard started it. And I'm not sure what prompted it. I think he just really liked the music. He liked the music and wanted to get it out there so more people would know about it. Okay. The uh, reason I got started in it, or the reason I carried it on, was because of the people. Howard started in 2000, September 2006, and in 2007, we started going to little gatherings and, and events around this area. We went to Alpine, Texas, and to uh, the Cowboy Symposium in Rudolph, New Mexico, and the Western Music Association Convention in Albuquerque, and um, there's the little Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Lordsburg, New Mexico, which is 60 miles from here. And so we got to know some of the artists, and if they they came through town, they'd give Howard a call and we'd take him to dinner or something. Well, then in... um, 2007, we went to the WMA convention. Howard was elected to the board of directors of the Western Music Association. When he got into something, he dove in head first, and that was his life. And he just really got into it and wanted to do all kinds of wonderful things to help make Western music more popular. And then on Christmas Day of 2007, he started having a headache, and we found out the end of January that he had brain cancer. So he had surgery the day before the date of of the first um, board of directors meeting for the WMA. So obviously we called the directors and told them he wasn't going to be able to be there. Well, the word spread like wildfire. Howard was very outgoing, and when he'd meet these people at functions, he'd stand around and talk to them forever, and they got to be good friends. When he got sick and the word went out that he had cancer, I was getting so many phone calls and emails that I couldn't keep up with them, and I started a blog. And when he passed away, there had been almost 5,000 hits on that blog, and they were all people from the Western Music and Cowboy Poetry Bunch. I mean, there were a few scattered friends in there, but probably 90% of them were from this family. And I didn't want to give it up. It took me a year, but I started doing it again just for the connection with the people. I love the music, and I love the poetry, but they're the greatest people in the world. Is that what your show's about, just music, or is, do you have something else? I play cowboy music and western swing. I alternate cowboy swing, cowboy swing, and every after every six songs, I play a poem. So it ends up being about four poems a week. Do you play unknown artists, or are they all well-known artists? Most of the ones that I play are new artists. Okay, great. I just When I get new CDs in, I play them a lot. And there are so many talented young people out there anymore. Holy cow. Yes, I, I found that out myself. It is, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. Yes, yeah, they are. Some of the states that you wouldn't think have country music, like Washington State. Exactly. Well, and some good artists from oh, Washington absolutely. State. Washington and Oregon. And Michigan. 
I got a, a CD the other day from Les Frick. He's very good. Your show, it's live. Can I listen to it on the Internet? I've ordered a uh, recorder. I think I can just plug it in at the station and record the song, and then the station manager will, will put it on the air for me. So it should be back on the air by next week. Let's see if we can learn a little bit about you. You're a widow. Do you have kids? I do. I have a, a son who lives just south of Santa Fe who raises alpacas, he and his wife. And I have a daughter that lives in Tucson that's a funeral director and three grandchildren. I have My son has a daughter and my, my daughter has one of each. Are you a good grandma? I'm a great grandma. <laughs> I figure you would be. <laughs> Any of these involved in what you do? No, there's not a person in my family that likes to listen to Western music anymore. Oh, come on now. We, got, we need to set them down and have a talk to them. I have a little bit of hope. I have a granddaughter, and she has decided that she's going to learn how to play the mandolin. So she started with the mandolin with the hopes that she's got short fingers, and so she's trying to learn how to use her fingers on the mandolin, and then hopefully she will go to guitar and Besides being a radio host, I understand you're also a real estate agent. I am a real estate broker. Yes, I am. I've been uh, I've been licensed to sell real estate in New Mexico for 33 years. That's a long time. It is a long time. <laughs> I was young when I got in. I have owned the company for 25, 27. Can you tell me just off the top of your head how many houses that you might have sold? That's quite a question. <laughs> Well, over 33 years, that's a lot. I don't I I have no idea. What made you decide to go into real estate? Uh, it's kind of funny. I was county treasurer for two years, and I was running for re-election, and one of the guys that was helping with the campaign said, if for some reason you don't win this election, I, would, I want you to come to my real estate company. And I said, okay, fine. Well, I didn't win the election, and I served out the, to the end of the year, my term, and he called me the first Monday in January and said, where are you? I need you in my office. And so I went to his office as bookkeeper. He paid for me to go to real estate school a few months later, and I went to real estate school and been there ever since. You know, I just read a story the other day that sounds exactly like that. Is that right? That's right. The woman went to work as a bookkeeper, and he sent her to school, and she became one of his best sellers. So. <laughs> that's, that's fairly common it, for somebody to go to work in a real estate office and then decide they want to get their license. I read someplace that you do something a little peculiar, I would think, to relax. What? Shoot guns? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it, you participate in. Not just guns, black powder and cartridge rifle events and shotguns. Yeah, I did that. I haven't. I don't do it that much anymore because Howard was an avid shooter and he's who got me into it. But we did shoot black powder cartridge rifle, and that was it. Was just really fun. Enjoyed it a lot. I actually shot the white buffalo at at Whittington Center in Raton, and that's my claim to fame. It's it's a huge buffalo on the side of the hill that's painted white, but you shoot it from a thousand meters, but with open sights. You're a pretty good shot then, I reckon. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> okay. But I do. I enjoy shooting a lot. You notice I haven't asked your age, but i got a pretty good idea from what you've been telling me. And the reason I ask people's age is I like to know if they went to Saturday matinee as a kid. 
Oh, well, I'm 68, so I could have gone to the Saturday matinee as a kid, but when I was young, I lived on the ranch at Animus, and we were 85 miles from the nearest movie theater, so mm. I didn't go to a lot of theaters. I don't imagine. <laughs> You've done a lot of horseback riding, I bet you. I did a lot of horseback riding. How long have you wanted to be a cowgirl? I never knew there was anything else. I grew up on a horse. I've got pictures of me riding in the county fair parade when I was six or eight months old, sitting in the saddle in front of my dad and have a horse. So you didn't necessarily want to be a cowgirl. You were a cowgirl. Yeah, I was destined. You know what I hear in all of these stories or these tales that you're telling me here? I hear a fantastic book. Have you ever considered that, writing a book? You know, I haven't. I would recommend thinking about it. you got a fantastic story. I do have a pretty interesting story. It's been a good life. What type books do you read? Mostly mysteries and and Western stuff. What advice would you give to somebody that's struggling with what they want to do with their life? Oh, I don't know. Just find something you love and jump in and do it. And do it with all your heart like Howard did. And do it with all your heart. Exactly. Real estate, especially anymore, is a pretty stressful occupation. And my radio show is my weekly therapy session that I don't have to pay for. I lock myself in that sound room and listen to music and poetry that I love, and the whole world goes away. Have you ever been discouraged and said, I ain't going to do this no more? I don't think I've ever quit anything because I was discouraged. Because you wake up the next morning, the sun comes up, and the world looks better. I don't get real discouraged real easily. How can folks get in touch with you? Well, they can call me on my cell phone, which is 575-494-0899. Or they can go to realwestoldwest.com is a blog that I have, and that has all my contact information. It's got email addresses and, and stuff like that, so that would be an easy way to find me. Or you do have a Facebook page. I do have a Facebook page. It's Topsy Slover. Maybe you need to spell that name for us. Okay, it's T-O-T-S-I-E, like Toys for Tots with an I-E. And Slover is S as in Sam, L-O-V as in Victor, E-R. Speaking of your name there, tell us how you got such a unique name. (laughs) Well, I was named after my two grandmothers, and my dad's mother's name was Zelma, with his Z's and zebra. My mother's mother's name was Lotta, so it could have been Lotta Zelma, so that wouldn't have worked too well anyway. I don't think I like that at all. But, But Lotta's nickname among her family well, everybody that knew her actually was Tots. So my nickname, my name is actually Zelma Tots. And according to my mother, when she used to call me Zelma Tots, when I started talking, I came out with Totsky. Now, whether that's true or not, I cannot verify it, but that's what my mother told me. And it's been Totsky ever since. That's great. If somebody wanted to buy a house, you think you could help them out? You betcha. <laughs> Be happy to. All right. And they can they can just go to DimmingRealty.com and do all the shopping they want for houses in this area. If somebody wanted a house here in Texas, can you help us? I could probably find somebody, but I'm licensed to sell in New Mexico. Okay, there we go with that license stuff. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Listen, I've really enjoyed our visit today, and I want to invite you to come back and visit any time you want to. Oh, well, thank you so much, Susie. I appreciate that. I enjoyed the visit also. We'll talk to you later then, okay? All righty. You take care. Thank you. Here's another poem by a very talented young lady. Andrea Kidd reciting all the pretty ponies. It's time for Little Buckaroos. 
to get themselves in bed. You've brushed your teeth and said your prayers. It's time for counting ponies prancing in your head. Now close your eyes and you can see them as they run through golden light with pounding hooves and flying manes. They gallop out of sight. Now picture prancing midnight steeds like a fairy tale come true. So kind and brave, so fierce and strong, they're waiting just for you. And oh, the lovely leaping chestnut flying through the air, jumping everything inside. Ride them if you dare. snow-white styles and their airs above the ground. Levats and lofty caprioles as they passage and trot around. Here comes a painted pony. What do you think of him? As he gallops, then he slides and stops and does an amazing spin. Look now, watch that Palomino as she works that ornery cow. Down the fence, then turn them back. She can really show them how. Every color, big and small, some bold and others shy. The big boss made them all for you at his big ranch in the sky. Pretty ponies gallop, prance, and leap. Count the pretty ponies as you're drifting off to sleep. And dream of pretty ponies while I sing a lullaby. And all the pretty ponies are wishing you good night. Pretty ponies. Count the pretty ponies. Dream of pretty ponies. All the pretty ponies are wishing you good night. Sweet dreams. I love you. Thanks so much for that, Andrea. Now, folks, why don't you gather around for a little cowboy wisdom? What this country needs today is drifter fingernails and cleaner minds. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.